Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Tara Jackson. Tara, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Let's do this. Excellent. Let's do this. Tara is known as Madam Money and is an international financial expert, contributor, author, TV and radio personality, as well as a keynote speaker. I'm excited to have you on. Tara, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, thank you. Um, my personal life, I am a proud single mother of a 22-year-old son. He is my my son, Light, um, and that's the most important thing to me. Uh, I have made some major money mistakes in my life, and all of that while I was executive at very large financial institutions, so that was the oxymoron of my life. I knew how to run a financial institution, but I could barely manage my bank account and uh, maybe about 10 years ago I had a you know epiphany that I had to get my life right and I realized that I was being financially promiscuous with my credit cards and having all these financial one-night stands with credit and ended up with financial STDs substantially tremendous debt <laughs> and them babies hurt yeah so that is how the book financial fornication was born I had a lot of celebrities that, and athletes that were my clients, and, you know, I saw them on TV blinging everything that they borrowed money from me to buy to make it look like they had money. And I realized that, you know, I really couldn't judge them because I was really in the same boat. So when I wrote Financial Fornication, it was really a book for me to get my life right. And um, it's been able to help a lot of people to embrace the concept of personal finance in a fun, laughable manner uh, within that. I now am a keynote speaker. I talk about money and money strategies. And recently, because my new book is coming out, The Four Financial Languages, I talk to people about their financial language, how to communicate in it, and how to communicate in other financial languages. I think that, that framing is such an important thing because we can give people all the facts in the world and all the statistics, but a lot of the times that will just wash over us. But you need to tell it in the form of a great story. And I, I love I love the financial fornication. I love the STDs, which I never thought those words would ever come out of my mouth. But, <laughs> but to, uh, <laughs> to inspire people to actually take real change or make real change and to change habits, that, that, that framing really is required. So... How did you, is it just trying to find a fun topic that can let people's guard down a little bit? Well, yeah. Um, what happened was I was watching TV one day and I saw this Hardee's commercial and it had this half-naked woman washing a car. And at the end of the commercial, it was just about selling a burger. <laughs> and that's when, it hit, that's when it hit me that sex can sell everything including a burger and i figured if it can sell a burger it can sell financial literacy because right. if you look at tv and what everyone is tuned into um other than controversy it, it probably has something to do with relationships and sex 
And so, you know, money, nobody wants to talk about their crappy credit. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that they're not saving or don't know how to invest. But everybody wants to talk about getting a man, getting a woman, getting into a relationship, a bad relationship, and so forth. So I figured if we talk about something everyone is talking about and wants to talk about and sneak financial literacy in there, we might be able to have a great dialogue. And that was really the premise of financial fornication. I think that's awesome. I was just listening to a podcast with Tony Robbins, and he was talking about how like, he gets people to come to things because he's going to give them what they want, but once they're there, he also gives them what they really need. So right. you do need to get people's attention first and then, like like you said, sneak some financial stuff in there. So well, I'd right. love to hear just if, if, if there are, I, I don't want to say, highlights or um, what the real key uh, takeaways from financial fornication are? Well, the biggest one is to want to admit that you have a problem, that you are being financially promiscuous, um, or that you have a financial financial STD or a financial dis-ease, substantially tremendous debt. Because once we understand what that is, it's like going to a doctor, you're now admitting that you're sick, and so you finally go to the doctor so they can diagnose you correctly so you can get the proper prescription to feel better. That's the same thing with our finances. A lot of us are suffering in silence, and we're feeling all this financial pain, but we're so afraid to talk to a professional. But if we don't talk to a professional, you know, we're not going to be able to get the, the right prescription because one size does not fit all with everyone medically or with your money. And the, the next thing is if you find that you are dealing with some financial diseases, just like with a regular STD, your doctor is probably going to tell you to stop doing something. So financial abstinence is a good thing for some people if you're dealing with some high debt, stop using the credit card, limit the credit card usage, or limit the credit or stop using credit so you can start feeling better, paying down some debt within it. And I give several strategies in my book on how to do that. Um, the biggest thing is to talk to someone. A lot of us are very afraid to have those conversations with a professional but talk to a professional, hey, and if you don't have one close to you, you can always go to madamoney.com. I'm always here for you. <laughs> but the, the biggest thing is that, one, we have to talk about it. Two, we have to admit that we have a problem so that we can begin the process and then stop some of the bad behaviors that's making us feel bad. Um, but there are reasons why we do that. Sometimes when we feel the least, we spend the most, and that's one of the things I address in the book. Um, and so sometimes you have to deal with what's making you feel the least so that you don't resort into spending to make you feel better. Because as financial fornicators, you know, our thing is spenders. That's our language. And so whatever we feel or do, we're more than likely going to do a transaction because we're chasing the transaction. But just understanding who you are, respecting it, and that's what my next book, The Four Financial Languages, is really all about to um, really respect our language and how to communicate appropriately with our behaviors. Yeah, well, I, I, I think that that really flows in nicely to our conversation um, because talking about money, um, l l let me take a step back. I think that everybody likes to present to the world that, that we have lots of money. If it's like you're talking about um, some of the professional athletes that you were loaning money to, to buy things to send off wealth signals or to show to the world that, that, that we have a lot of money. Uh, but the reality is 
if you do look at the numbers that we're not doing a great job with money and there's a lot of shame that's associated with it. Um, and such a simple first step is to, to admit that there's an issue or a problem, but that's one of those things that sounds really easy to do, but actually it's almost really, really hard for people to do. So we'd love to hear about what some of those four or what, what those financial languages are. Well, the, the, the great thing about the, the four financial languages is that it's very simple and people understand. And so the, the main, the dominant languages are spending, saving, investing, and giving. And everyone has a dominant language, just like we have a dominant love language, just like we have a dominant personality type. We have a dominant financial language. Now, we can, speak, we can be fiscally bilingual. We can speak in different languages, but normally we have a dominant language. And when we understand what our dominant language is, we can respect it because a spender is, is no better or worse than a saver, no better or worse than an investor, no better or worse than a giver. It's just that we all have triggers, negative triggers, and we also have pleasure principles. And once we understand the triggers and pleasure principles, we're able to maneuver through our languages appropriately. For example, my, my financial language is spending. I am a spender. Um, that's why I wrote financial fornication. I'm a financial fornicator, right? But being a spender is not bad. It's the excessive spending that I may do that makes it bad. Um, so if I know that I'm a spender, I'm probably not going to hang out at the mall for no reason because I really don't understand the concept of window shopping. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> but a saver can also have negative traits. They can be a hoarder. Um, they can be very stingy with their money or because they're afraid because they need security and they need to feel in control. And when they don't feel in control, that's when they become, I call the wealth wardens, where they'll hide money, they'll store it away, and they'll save it for themselves. And excessive saving can be bad, too, if it can negatively affect the household or the family um, or relationships. And so once you understand what your financial language is, whether you're a spender, saver, giver, or investor, it gives you an opportunity to learn how to communicate to other people about how you deal with money, what you feel about money, and deal with money. But it also gives you an opportunity to learn a different financial language so that you can communicate with them. That's why it's very important. I'm excited about the book is because we're going to be taking those couples, one's a spender, one's a saver, and teach them how to communicate with each other. Because one of the number one reasons people get divorced is because of money issues. And it's communication. So once a saver and a spender can communicate effectively, money no longer becomes one of the main reasons why we argue. It's just a different kind of conversation. Also teaching people how to go on money dates, which doesn't mean sitting at the table telling everybody what you can spend, what you can't spend. I've never been to a date where someone told me what to do. That, that's just not fun for me. <laughs> so te teaching people to have a money date, which involves maybe going out to dinner or drinks and intimacy and, you know, sharing dreams and taking them through the process to make talking about money with each other exciting. That's, what's, that's what I'm really excited about the book. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense, and you're right. I don't think that any of us have ever been on a date that was fun where one person told the other person what to do. So, right. um, and I think that that everything that that you're talking about um, is how to create good habits, how to how to break bad ones, and then how to create good ones, and that's also easier said than done. Um, 
and I think it's such great practical advice and it makes sense that you'll help a couple understand how they communicate and oftentimes it'll be different and then give them the actual tools to have those conversations. Um, I think that community, however we find it, plays such an important role in in creating lasting change. Um, do you agree with that? And is is that how is that one of the reasons that that you've structured it the way that you have? Community is really big. Having the right people around you and being able to have conversations is really huge. Because, and, and I'll give you an example. When I um, when I was on my quest to lose weight, because I there was one night my girlfriends wanted to go to the club, I couldn't fit anything, felt like roly poly oly, and I vowed that night in the club as I was cr- in the in the closet as I was crying, I would never feel like this again. Well, I started with you know learning about eating habits and doing everything, but what really triggered me losing weight the first time because I kind of need to do it again was I had a community of young ladies that were walking every morning at 5 a.m. Now, here's the thing. I am not a morning person whatsoever. My shoes <laughs> button is my friend in the morning. And for me to get up, I got up because there was a community of women that supported me, that understood what I was going through, that pushed me, that challenged me. And so I got up every morning, and I walked, you know, walked, and then I started running, and I lost all this weight, and it was no more about losing weight. It was now about this community. It was now about a lifestyle within that. And so it's the same thing with our money and our finances. Finding a community that has the same goals that you have financially, that want more in life, that, that maybe know more than you or know something that you don't um, to do that. And community can also negatively affect us. If we're the, you know, if we're the only people in our group that want to do better and the other people don't, they'll keep pulling you back. They'll discourage you. You know, I tell people all the time, if you, if you're around nine broke people, you'll be the 10th. No doubt. So it's very important to get with the community to where you want to go. That's going to support you and push you and challenge you. And those are. Those are oftentimes really, really, really hard decisions to make or hard choices to make if your if your friends or whoever it might be are are not going to be supportive in helping you get to where you need to be and who are not going to support you in breaking bad habits and building good ones. Um, and I imagine that you probably have conversations with people about that too, about sometimes you need to say goodbye. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced that. Like, if I was going to rely on my family and friends to support me or to buy my products and services or pay for my advice or whatever, I'd, I'd really be broke. Um, but but I don't rely on that. There's a, there's a whole world out there that needs you. You know, whether you're trying to do better or whether you're helping people do better, the world needs you, and it's a disservice when you only confine yourself to family and friends because there's so many other people that need to hear your story that can probably elevate you to the next level, and they're looking for you to help you with that. But family and friends, they're, they're the kind of people that they need to see the progress to know that you're serious because they've known you for so long. And so they have, because they have that history, they may go back into history and say, oh, yeah, you've said this before, you've done this before, and that could be very discouraging. So sometimes 
we love our family from afar, but we create it. We find another community that wants to go where we're going so our family can see our results, not necessarily hear us banter about what we want to do. I think that is a great point right there. Well, Tara, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? My difference-making tip is to learn your financial language, which you can learn in my book for financial languages that's coming out in the end of January 2019. But learn about your financial language, respect your financial language, and learn other people's financial language. If you're a spender, it's okay. If you're a saver, investor, giver, it's okay. Respect it and be proud of it and learn how to do better with it. Large leaps start with baby steps. So when you save $5, you can ultimately save 500 So start where you are. Well, that is great stuff that definitely gets a come on. Come on. And Tara, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where will they be able to get a copy of your book? You can go to madamoney.com. Or you can get financial fornication on Amazon.com, and the four financial languages will be available on Amazon.com. But everywhere leads to MadamMoney.com, M-A-D-A-M-M-O-N-E-Y.com. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Terry your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to MadamMoney.com and check out all the great stuff that she has on her site. Thank you again, Tara. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!